Hey everybody, welcome back to the So We Speak podcast. This is Cole Fakes and I've got a guest today with me, Ryan Smith. Ryan is the pastor of worship at Eagle Heights Baptist Church and a really good friend of mine, somebody I wanted to have on the podcast for a long time. Ryan, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Cole. I appreciate it. Glad for the opportunity to talk to you. I want to start before I open it up and before we talk about worship, I just want to start on a slightly different topic, which is how I really got to know you, Ryan, and that is through um, one-on-one discipleship in the local church. So when I was a student in Stillwater at Oklahoma State, the great Oklahoma State University, and was doing worship at Overflow, we were invited to come play worship on a Sunday morning at Eagle Heights. And uh, I had several friends that went to Eagle Heights, knew about the church, but when we went, you guys took us to lunch afterwards. We got to meet for the first time, um, or coffee, I guess, before and lunch after we played. Got to meet for the first time, and then we got to start meeting together and just growing. And it was really one of my first experiences of somebody taking an active interest in my spiritual life, asking me good questions for accountability, teaching me to read the Bible better, talking about the local church, becoming a church member. All of that came from your decision to pour your life into other people. And so obviously that means a ton to me and to my brothers and the other guys that I know that um, have gotten to be discipled by you and, and to learn from you. But also I think that really shapes the way that a church functions and a church feels. And so it might seem like two different topics, but I kind of wanted to start there and say, when we talk about the local church and worship, we're talking about the big umbrella of discipleship, whether that's personal discipleship, making disciples. And so maybe the first question to ask is, when you think about worship in the church, what what is worship for? Where do we even start with that? Hmm. That's a... First, first of all, I'm very thankful to be on the podcast. Uh, thankful for the kind words that you said. Um, I, I think that one one of my favorite songs is "Come Thou Fount," and there's that phrase in there: "Tune my heart, uh, tune my heart." So when I think of worship, um, I think it does overflow out of out of music, and that's naturally and the biblically described and prescribed uh, way to worship. But as as you said. Worship is ultimately an act of discipleship in which we pointedly try to tune uh, one another's hearts to, uh, to God in attention, affection, uh, and, and ultimately in glorification of God for who He is. Uh, so, so yeah, discipleship and worship very much linked. So when you're thinking through, um, I don't know when you do your service planning, but on a typical week, what does it look like to put the service together? Yeah, good, good question. I, I think uh, each, each week really, the, the way our rhythm works here at, at Eagle Heights is uh, really pretty week by week. I know that you know, some, some places try to go out several weeks ahead uh, in advance or, or months, and then you know, God bless them, that, that's awesome. But we... Um, the way that our, our senior pastor and I kind of kind of work is uh, week to week. We know the passage, um, but we sit down Monday morning and look at the passage. By the time we sit down, uh, I try to have thought through the passage, thought you know what what is this trying to say, um, and th- think to a degree expositionally on on the text, not in a way of how do I present this text in a way that 
uh, our senior pastor is going to present it, but how do we shape the, uh, the songs that we sing, the prayer that we pray, the scriptures that we read um, from start to finish? How, how do we shape uh, an, an environment that tells this story, so to mm-hmm. speak, whether it's something that we need to learn, whether it's a posture that we need to take, uh, in in advance, like for, for for example, uh, this we're, we're preaching through the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. which is which brings all sorts of interesting opportunities for worship. But uh, this past week, we were on uh, the sixth trumpet of judgment, and it's <laughs> you, know, you know it's it's strange uh, creatures and beasts basically executing God's judgment on people. And say, like, well, what what do you you just sing some anthrax and you know stuff stuff like that but but kind of in, in looking at it we see the the point of it is even under all that weird stuff uh, at, the, at the end of chapter nine it says and the people still refuse to repent of their murder their sexual morality just all these things it's, mm-hmm. think of idolatry and repentance and how apart from the grace of God, we would all be those people just clinging so close to our idols that even in the face of whatever it is that comes, that, that we wouldn't give them up. Mm-hmm. And we say, how cold and hard is the heart of man? And so um, what, we, what we did in that time was we chose to sing songs uh, that look at, one, the majesty and the glory of God, but then also... Uh, repentance and what a humble heart we we actually uh, sing come now found um, you know tune our hearts to sing that you know we we're prone to want we're prone to want our idols but help us to be a people of repentance and we want to be a people of repentance and so um, you know M- Monday is kind of big idea like that uh, usually either later Monday or, or Tuesday just kind of go through all of our song lists and just kind of throw anything in there that I think would kind of fit maybe what we're trying to say. And then, um, usually I'll whittle that down by the end of Tuesday. Um, and Wednesday kind of looking through scriptures and, um, videos that we might show that help, that help share that. And, um, by, by Wednesday afternoon, I try to get the information out to the team so they can begin practicing music. Yes, but they can also be reading the text. Mm. They can know, why we're going to sing the songs that we're going to sing. And, uh, you know, by, by Sunday morning when we get together, the first thing we do is sit down with the text, uh, with any scripture that we're, uh, that we're reading or that we're, we're talking through that morning and discuss why we're doing what we're doing, why it's important, and what kind of posture we need to have as a worship team uh, heading, heading into it before we, before we practice the music. Wow. So I think that's probably yeah, kind of, kind of a unique uh, way to start things, but maybe explain why you do that, or when did you guys start doing that as a team before you uh, lead worship on Sundays? Hmm. I'm not sure exactly when we started it, but um, some of it came from something that you said earlier, and that's that's the term worship. Um, what what is worship, and when I I've, I've always played music, you know, since I was a teenager. I've loved playing music and then, you know, on into high school and college and, and different bands and stuff. And 
participating in worship as music, you know, as singing the songs and linking that point. But when, when I became a worship pastor mm-hmm. and I, I, I took on that title, I sat down and said, okay, what, 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 am, I, what am I doing? You know, what exactly is the church asking me to do as a worship pastor? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was really when I started digging in and seeing the broader and necessities and broader applications of, of the role and the idea of, of worship uh, in that we, we can't just be here just to to be to warm up the crowd for the, for the <laughs> sermon yeah you know and then and then get them get them weepy at the end so they right. might walk an aisle or, or Cre- something create you know? that moment at the end yeah yeah I mean, it's it's, it's got to be so much deeper than that and, and and so first and foremost i saw the greatest tool uh of worship to be the scripture mm-hmm. and the greatest uh, means of worship to be the Holy Spirit, and that's that's what the worship does, is it, or what the Holy Spirit does, is it exalts Christ and He brings to mind the words of Christ, and and so if if we are going to be effective at all, we have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. If we're going to in, be in tune with the Holy Spirit, we have to exalt Christ, and if we're going to exalt Christ, we need to do it through the ways that He has given uh, to remember Christ and to exalt Christ, and so I think through kind of those thought processes and just um, the, the leadership of our church as a whole, um, the way our, our senior pastor, Brent Prentice, the way he's, he's led us um, away, away from uh, big, bold, extravagant, and a lot to say, you know, what, what does the Bible tell us to do? How can we honor Christ? How can we do that simply? How can we do that humbly? But also, how can we do that excellently? Uh, and so those are... That's that's probably when we started saying, okay, we're gonna we're gonna start with the scripture first, and not with uh, what's what's newest on the passion CD that everyone's listening to. Right. Um, which in a college town, I'm sure you get some pressure uh, to take requests uh, to sing <laughs> the newest the newest hottest songs. Um, yeah. You know, I what going back to what you said a minute ago is something that's really struck me in the last few years about worship is in the passages like in Ephesians where you see Paul say, don't, don't be drunk with wine, don't be filled with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And he makes that contrast of if you are filled with the Spirit, it is controlling you, it's pervading who you are. What are the things that are going to happen at that point? And he gives us a list. I mean, it's not the only things, but he gives us a list. You're going to be thankful, and you're going to be singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart. And that's actually something you see him say in Colossians and something you see him say in Ephesians. But it's not something that we typically think about uh, when it comes to worship. And I think you know part of the reason I know that's true is because there's a disconnect for people sometimes when we think about, is the Spirit active in your life? Uh, one of the signs would be, are you a worshiper? And that involves singing. You know, if, if one of the things Paul says is, if the Spirit is in your heart, you will overflow in song, then it's convicting in the moments that I want to go and stand at church with my hands in my pockets because I think it's dumb to sing or something. You know, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. there's actually something that takes place in our hearts. There's joy. There's And, and you can worship in more than one emotion, obviously, but... Um, you know, I think there's a measure of what the Spirit is doing in our lives that's reflected in the way that we worship. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think one of the reasons that the church uh, in many ways is anemic in its worship is because it's somewhat anemic in its understanding of pneumatology, mm-hmm. or, you know, the role of the Holy Spirit, who he is and what he does. You know, we'll have a, a lot of, of songs and uh, emphases placed on, okay, spirit just fall or fill this place mm. or what, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, okay. Well, what, what are you asking for? You know, are, are we, are we trying to, to drum up, bring that emotion, uh, that, that specific motion, uh, specific emotion. And so as, as you said, you know, we can worship God from a variety of, of emotions, but first and foremost, we have to understand that the spirit's role in our lives is much more than getting us to raise our hand and maybe get a little teary mm-hmm. on, on Sunday morning. Um, you know, his, his role is to push us towards Christ. And yeah. the more that we look into Scripture for the role that music plays in that, I, lo- I love what you said, you know, that the Spirit overflows in, in song. It's the same thing Paul tells the, the Colossians. And we see that evidenced. Uh, you know, Moses was a, a songwriter and a singer. David was a songwriter and a singer. You know, Jesus, we know, sang songs with his disciples. Mm-hmm. Paul say in virtually every book of the scripture, we have either an example of people singing or a, a song. I mean, Mary, <laughs> whenever she right. received the news, you know, it's it's overflowing in a song. So so when we participate on a Sunday morning to kind of uh, go with your earlier question as well, when we sing together on a Sunday morning, we are participating not just in uh, in an event of, of, you know, a group singing songs together, oh, I like this song, or, or whipping up emotion for myself personally. We are engaging in a very holy activity that the church has engaged in uh, and the people of God all the way back to the very, very dawn of time. And, and so it's, it's, it's a holy time. It's a privilege to get to participate in. Uh, and it's a responsibility and a duty, I think, of, of the individual Christian. And, and so I think we can really harm ourselves um, if we don't prepare our hearts and our minds and use our bodies, even if we can't sing well. You know, the Bible doesn't say sing well. It says sing, uh-huh. and sing loudly, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know. Uh, so I think we do a disservice to ourselves and to our churches if we don't model that, if we don't explain that, uh, and if we don't participate in that uh, as often as we can. Mm-hmm. To, to go back to Revelation, one of the things that you said reminded me, um, I think Revelation, as you said, is a book about worship. I mean, there's a lot mm-hmm. of other things, too, I think the fact that it is an apocalypse, it is a revealing of the true nature of the world. One of the things that it makes clear, because there are tons and tons of songs in Revelation, uh, but one of the things it makes clear, and I think Peter Lightheart brings this up in his commentary on Revelation, is that worship and singing is the warfare of the church. So you look at Mm. ancient Israel, probably the best example is the Song of Moses. So when, when Israel is delivered... They sing the song of Moses. They thank God. They praise God. Um, and they also talk about God being a warrior for them, a fighter for them. And uh, you see this too when they go to Jericho. We think about 
you know, they're marching around the walls of Jericho and those French peas are pouring slushies on their heads. And um, <laughs> how are we clapping? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we think about them blowing the horns and, and yelling like a battle cry. But the, the whole construal of that military enterprise is, is worshipful. Um, and they're led by the musicians and, and by the priests. And so you see that in the Old Testament. Then you get to the New Testament, and you realize in Revelation that one of the ways that, that the people of God triumph is by singing and that their songs are their warfare um, against the enemy, against the powers of darkness. You see the martyrs who are waiting and longing for God. They're singing. And uh, it's all through the Bible. I mean, like you said, every book of the Bible, there's music and there's singing and there's worship and it's such an integral part of uh, Scripture, it's surprising sometimes we relegate it to a small portion of our lives. I mean, you know, between 9 and 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Yeah, I love what you said there is warfare. You know, and it's interesting that you, when you think about warfare and then you think about how intimately tied music is as an expression of warfare. You know, you don't really think about that much, but you think of, uh, in instruments, uh, you know, going forward, you think of battle hymns of the, of the Republic. You think of, um, all, all kinds of, I don't know, you, I, I'm, I'm just re reminded of these like 4th of July services mm -hmm. that used to be really, really prevalent, uh, in, in the church for whatever, whatever you may think of that. But, um, the way that we celebrated the military was by singing and playing these songs, mm -hmm. these anthems, uh, and when a victorious uh, king returns, he's led by a group of singers, and that, actually, that, that, that word hymn uh, in Ephesians, where you referenced it, and in Colossians 3.16, in Psalms, and hymns, and spiritual songs, it's not, it's not just talking about post-Puritan music that ended in the 1950s, uh -huh. it's, <laughs> you know, the, the hymn is a song of victory. That's that's what it that's what it means. So you sing psalms, you know, which all, all the kind of the emotions of life, but hymns. You sing the songs of victory, and so that that's why when people say, "Well, do you do you sing hymns?" I say, "Well, yes, but what do you mean by hymns?" Right. Uh, you know, because we need to sing songs of victory. Remember who he is, because if, if if we don't enjoy doing that, we're gonna ha we're gonna have a really terrible time in heaven, because mm -hmm. that's what's yeah. what's gonna be going on. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely true. Um, you know, one of the things I've always loved about the way that you lead worship is the different mixture of songs and styles and uh, even the emotional tone of the songs that you include. How do you go about finding songs? What's the process like to say, you know, this is a song we want to sing or um, you have a new song. What What's the preparation process like to get both your heart, your band, the congregation uh, familiar with that song and, and bringing it into the life of the church. Yeah, well, we we live in the best of times and worst of times, right? We live in the best of times where we have access to every single song in every single form. Uh, so we can, we can really draw from a broad well, um, but we also live in the worst of times in that in order to get to the songs that are that are good and have you know meat and doctrinal theological purity and clarity and are congregational, you really kind of have to dig 
uh, and you have to dig deep because a lot of Christian radio or the top 40 is not going to be indicative of, of these types of songs. So mm-hmm. um, we, we do have a very deep well to, to draw from, and I, I'm thankful I'm thankful for that. Uh, you know, we love seeing our, our, our worship team put out a version of A Mighty Fortress uh-huh. by, by Martin, Martin Luther, just a... Um, Again, these things that kind of tie us together. But when when we're looking for new songs or evaluating songs to do, um, each at the beginning of each semester, I give a, a an album or a playlist to our worship team that has about ten to fifteen different songs on it that meet kind of a, a certain criteria. One, they are biblical uh, that we can see in every single stanza or chorus or verse. Yeah, okay, that's pointing us to this part of Scripture. That's this part of Scripture. So, um, first of all, is it biblical? Uh, second of all, is it theologically accurate? Uh, is it is it using the Bible in the right way? Uh, third of all, is it is it singable? Is it a song for the congregation? There are a lot of songs out there that I think are wonderful, personal uh, songs that I've benefited. I've, I've worshipped God by, but they're not necessarily those ones that you encourage the person sitting next to you by singing, you know, mm-hmm. um, are they congregational? And then, and then third, third of all, can, can we play it? Is it something that we can do as a band? You know, I mean, just basically nuts, nuts and bolts. Is this something that would work, uh, to help minister to our body? Or would this be something that we would really like to play, but may not actually help uh, the, the body? So, yeah. um, out, out of that, I don't just look for what just came out this week, you know, look, Try to mine old hymns. Try to uh, mine those who are um, also mining hymns and, and producing and reproducing some of those things. There are some great, great resources, uh, great musical hymn writers, the, the, the Gettys, Matt Boswell, Matt Papa, um, and some of the ways that people like Shane and Shane are, are taking some of those songs and reintroducing them mm-hmm. in a lot of ways to modern society. There's a lot... To, to draw from, a lot to choose from, but we try to be very pointed in what we offer. And then out, out of those 10 to 15 songs from the worship team, we, we might actually end up doing three or four. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but first of all, we're, we're going point, to point to the scripture of it and go from that angle. Yeah, and, and one of the things I've always loved that you've done is you've actually written songs for Eagle Heights to sing together. When did you start doing that? Um, probably around, we put out our first album as a team, I think in 2014. And, uh, I've I've always enjoyed writing songs and, uh, you know, uh, making music and and putting it out. But I think it it really started with a song about, uh, the the Trinity. Um, Brent was getting ready to preach on the Trinity. We were going to do a series on it. And I was like, okay, so what are the good songs about the Trinity? And I just couldn't find a lot. And so I thought, I mean, well... You can only sing Holy, Holy, Holy so many times, so many weeks <laughs> yeah. in a row, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I thought, well, maybe we just need one. And so we sat down with, you know, systematic theology and doctrine. Of what is the Trinity? What do we need to talk about? And... um out of that, it ended up writing several songs just based on who God is and who the persons of the Trinity are. And um, that kind of 
the, those things kind of led to doctrinal equipping that uh, became the first album that we put out. I think back in 2014. So we've been doing we've been doing that for for a while. What's it like to have a song that you've written that your congregation knows and loves, and to to play that song to lead that song on a Sunday morning? Well, can I tell you something, Cole? This uh, this sounds kind of un- underwhelming, but really, it's not that different, like from just singing something else. Because you know, you I, what, what I want to say is, you know, oh, it's awesome, you know, to know that <laughs> been a conduit, and you know, I weep every time. And um, but it's to me, it's it's a song like every other song that God, in His grace, has given. Uh, to reveal his truth and his beauty. And I don't feel any more attachment to it than I do to some other song that someone else wrote that really tells that truth and beauty. So, um, if, if any, if anything, when the church is singing a song that I've written, I, I feel feelings of inadequacy. Like, oh, I, I could have said that better. Or, you know, um, Matt Boswell would have said that way better. Um, so it's, it, it's really not that much different than another than any other song. Hmm. I I I do love the fact that you can write a song that's uniquely fitting for your congregation, for your church, and then of course if other churches sing it, that's great too. And I think you know most of what we sing, somebody wrote probably writing it for a specific group of people, and it just is a really great song. But I do like the thought of having worship leaders who are writing songs that are for your church and singing songs that really fit, like you said, topically or sermon series or just the burden of, of the worship leader, uh, the worship pastor at your church. I think there's something really cool in that. I also think there's something really humble in in seeing it as a service to the church because a lot of the Christian music industry um, probably the first goal isn't to serve the church, but uh, even if it's down the list somewhere. But, you know, to come back to just leading worship, you know, as a pastor, when you walk out to lead worship on Sunday morning, what are the thoughts that are going through your mind or maybe some of the prayers that you pray uh, as you're doing that? And then as you're closing, you know, as you're walking off thinking to yourself, what what makes a worship set a success? Hmm. Those are good questions. Um, one thing that I, I greatly look forward to about, about heaven is worship that is not tied to logistics. Mm. Because honestly, when I'm walking out uh, to, to, to lead uh, worship to get started, you know, I'm, I'm about three quarters of my mind is on, okay, okay, did that like you go is, you know, are these all band members in place? Are they ready? Are they too, you know, is, is this, is this going to flow uninterrupted, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so that, so that we're not a distraction Yeah. Uh, from what, from what we're trying to do. So, so there's, there's a, a lot of that. Um, but I would say the rest of my brain and probably really my heart is, is kind of divided in two ways. One, it's, it's saying, you know, God just use this. Mm-hmm. God just use this. However, you know, 
you can make the rocks cry out and and god that that may be all i have today is the voice of the voice of a rock but um god just use it bless this church bless these people so i'm i'm i'm, I'm praying for the people uh as, as i see them and as i as i walk out um and then probably the other half of that thought process is just feelings of inadequacy uh you know uh, is my voice going to hold up am i going to play wrong chord are we you know have i did i put enough prayer into this this morning you know do i really know what we're doing so and and that in god's grace again kind of feeds the okay god you just take this this broken mess of what we can offer and use it for your glory mm. um so that that's re- that's really the thought process going in and then uh, walking off i'd say how we know if something was a success or not <laughs> one um does does the church respond uh that's that's somewhat of an indicator you know did is, is, is the spirit working? You know, did, are we saying what we are trying to say? Were, were we clear? But ultimately, success, we can't really uh, define or judge because, you know, I, I don't get too down if I see a guy, you know, not singing. It's, I, I don't feel that I didn't make him sing or mm-hmm. I didn't do the right thing. What I, what I, where my mind goes more is I want to pray for him and I want to pray for his family because what he's modeling, you know, for future generations, how someone should act or react to God in, in song. And so ultimately the Holy spirit is going to do what the Holy spirit's going to do. And he's going to do it in whatever way he wants to. And my ultimate goal is just to get out of the way of that, you know, to be as, clean and clear of a conduit in pointing to the gospel and pointing to pointing to Christ because I know if if Christ was exalted and people are going to walk out of there saying wow God is a great God and not wow that was such a great band you know then then that's it that's a success mm-hmm. you know I, I, I don't care I care as much about what what we've done although I do want to do what we do excellently yeah um, because I think that in and of itself is an act of worship. Well, I think most people really underestimate how many things go through your head when you're leading worship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Now, now you, you have you have a lot of experience in this uh, as as well, and you've you know faithfully stepped in and led our led our church uh, with our band. I mean, is that is that kind of what goes through through your head, or am I just a weirdo? No, you're exactly right. I mean, I think you know people uh, probably from from the outside, I think most people think you think about singing <laughs> and yeah. it's like, no, that that's like number five or number six on the list of things that you're thinking about. I mean, you hope that you've gotten to the point. I, I this is where I think preparation is so important. Um, as you're talking mm-hmm. about, it's really, it's a week long process for each individual Sunday, but it's, it's more than that. It's a semester, it's a year, it's the long game of not just preparing your band to play well, but preparing them to be good worshipers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you want to get to the point where you are actually worshiping. And mm-hmm. the barriers to doing that as a worship leader are pretty intense. Like you said, there's always logistical things going on in your mind, whether that's, are we on time? What else is after this? Um, you know, I always felt like, partly because I'm not a great 
singer, I always have one song in the set where I'm like, am I going to be able to sing this song or not? I mean, am I going to be able to hit all the notes in this song? And so you're kind of worried about that one. And uh, you're, th- you're, you're listening in your ears uh, to the click track trying to stay on or the bass players, you know, in the wrong key or something. You know, there's, there's all kinds of stuff you're thinking about logistically. Uh, but then, too, the spiritual dynamics of leading worship is more than just getting up and performing. It's more than just playing a song that you know how to play and that you like. Um, there is there there is an intensity about seeing people, looking them in the eyes while you're singing and while they're singing, or or like you just mentioned, while they're not singing and thinking about maybe you know their story, maybe you know what's going on in their family or in their hearts, and praying for them. I mean, you know, I think I think it was Spurgeon that said that while he preached, he could pray for like seven people at a time or something like that. That he's got nothing on worship leaders because worship leaders are thinking like twelve or fifteen different things, and you know I think like you, I, I the goal is to be faithful to God as a worshiper and do so with excellence, to not be a distraction, uh, to do so in such a way that removes any obstacle somebody would have that you can control to worship God, um, and and in that sense I think. Worship leading is pretty simple. Worship God and and help people to do it with you. But it, it there is a lot of complexity to it when you're actually up there doing it. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I, one phrase I really like is Eugene Peterson, a book that he wrote, you know, Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Uh, and I think that's what the heart of a worship leader, ultimately the heart of a pastor, has to be, you know, it, it can't, you can't base it on Sunday to Sunday, you know, like, man, did I, did did I knock it out of the park? You know, did we really sing, did the quote unquote spirit fall, you know, so to speak? Uh, I think the greater question is, was I faithful? Mm. You know, uh, was, was I faithful this week with what, with what I was given? Uh, and you know, would I, would I love to see the church just erupt every week and people fall on their knees and, you know, all this thing. Yeah, sure. I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to see that, but I would hate to see me manipulate the scenario in order to where what they're responding to is me trying to hit a home run on a Sunday mm-hmm. uh, and not me preparing them for, you know, to approach the scripture and approach God through the rest of the week uh, ahead. And also, you know, being be a conduit for the, the spirit to work and to encourage uh, in that time from what the week has held for them walking in there. So, yeah, it's, you, you have to, you have to become very unperformance based and very comfortable with not being the center of mm-hmm. attention while unfortunately to a degree you are the center of attention. Yeah. That's, you know? it's a weird dynamic that you're naming. Yeah. Well, so you know, a lot of guys, I think this was true in my case, you're, you know, in high school or maybe early college, you want to serve the church, you maybe have some musical talent, you want to start leading worship. I know that you've developed a lot of really healthy, really good worship leaders over the years. Um, what is it that you, what advice do you give to that person? Or how do you counsel them? Um you know, what, what does it look like to grow as a worship leader from the ground up? Hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd say 
first of all, in invest invest in the music part of it. Um, secondarily, uh, I would I would say read the scripture, seek to be a disciplined follower of Jesus. Um, recognize where you struggle. Surround yourself with a local church uh, where you can understand the dynamics of a church, where you can understand the dynamics of believers who are further down the road than you, um, but where also you can understand the dynamics of those who are maybe a step or two behind you in the road to where you get a broader perspective uh, more than what do I need or what do I want to give um, to what does the church need. Um, Seek to love the local church. Um, That's who if, if, if God does have you leading leading worship or on a worship team or uh, simply participating in, in worship well from a congregation, uh, you need to love the church. Uh, that's, that's the body that you're serving. Um, so I, I, I'd say be a disciple, trust and follow Jesus. And if, if you've been given kind of the musical bent, so to speak, uh, if if music is just your language, mm-hmm. um, naturally all of those things are going to flow out in that direction. Mm. So you don't have to worry as much about, Oh, I, I hope I want to play the guitar, at, you know, next week <laughs> and just, just pour, pour, pour yourself, you know, pour Jesus into yourself and wrestle and struggle with the faith and read, 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 read <laughs> from, from those who've gone before to where, you know, musicians, that, that's just the way you, you wrestle and the way that you come to make sense of what you're thinking anyways mm-hmm. is through music. So let music be the outflow of that, um, but make sure that you're filling up the cup um, to where that can be an outflow. That, that, that can't be the focus uh, or it'll end poorly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely true, and that's great advice. I, I think one of the things that I've learned from you and from other worship leaders that I really respect is that being a worship leader, being a worship pastor is not a JV pastoral position. Um, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we think about worship in terms of um, musical skill primarily, as opposed to the qualifications for a pastor. And certainly some churches are set up this way where the worship leader is not a pastor um, and they're not a person that you would hire to be a pastor. And I just totally disagree with that. I think that is one of the most central things that you do uh, to form and to shape your people. And so (laughs) giving somebody that much influence and leadership, why why would you have a person up there that you wouldn't trust being a pastor of your church um, in in a different role? And they're musically gifted, obviously, but you know, what makes them a worship pastor is being a pastor first. And I think you model that really well. You can hear that in the advice that you just gave and in the way that you talked about putting the worship service together and thinking about worship. But I, I think that's something that, that um, you know, if, if I were to give advice to somebody, I would say, well, set your sights on being qualified to be a pastor first. And then mm-hmm. if you want to serve the church uh, pastorally by leading worship, great. But being a worship pastor is not, uh, you know, an excuse to not be theological or, like you said, to not read or, you know, to not do pastoral care or, or that kind of thing. Because 
I mean, the person that you have on stage leading your people in worship is equally as or, or just the second of the, the people that you're giving the authority to shape your congregation. And uh, mm-hmm. you want those people to, to be pastors. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you, you, you can tell a lot about a church or you can tell a lot about yourself as, as, as a church member based on exactly what you said, you know, kind of who you put in that role and other other roles as well, because it it really shows what your target is. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we're trying to have an amazing Sunday morning that's going to be attractional, we are going to get the best looking person that can sound the best and just can sing the great songs. Uh, and we're going to light them up, put them in front of the stage and just make this a great concert time. Um, and all the all the rest is going to be secondary, uh, and, and so that's and and that that's going to be dangerous mm-hmm. for not not just the church because um, that's that's the target of the church. They're probably already in in some greater danger, um, but that's also going to be very dangerous for the worship leader. Definitely. Um, and so in in preparing your, yourself, you know, I some one thing that really sticks out in my mind is there's. Um, kind of a worship pastor or a worship leader that was um, kind of an acquaintance. He was at a much larger church, a much more um, kind of seeker-sensitive, quote-unquote, kind of attractional. And uh, he, he came to me one time and said, hey, I'd really like to, to talk with you, pick your brain about an aspect of, of leading worship. And I was like, great, you know, I'd love, love to talk to you about it. What can I help with? And he said, well, he said, the, the main thing I want to know is how do you make yourself indispensable, like, to a church? Wow. And, yeah, that what that's what what he was saying is, you know, not how do you lead a church? Well, how do you how do you develop songs? How do you pastor? But his main concern was, I know that I'm just a cog, you know, mm-hmm. I'm I I fit this mold today. And I like it, and I like what I get, but I know someone else can fit this mold tomorrow. And if I, you know, hit the wrong note, if I pick the wrong song, you know, I'm easily replaceable. Hmm. Um, and and, and my, my heart just went out to him because his target was representative of his church's target, which is so not God's target. Mm-hmm. Um, for the church and for worship through song. Um, unfortunately, I think that that's probably pre- prevalent in a lot of our, our churches. Yeah, I think that's true. And it is unfortunate because, like you said, that, that reflects to me more on the church than it does on him in a lot of ways. I mean, it's he's yeah. been told or he's been shown, this is the role you play. And it's way down on the hierarchy of um, investment and authority and responsibility, but it's really high on visibility. And so yeah. because of that, you become a disposable person. And, uh, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I think that's really dangerous for worship leaders, um, not just for the congregation. I think a lot of worship leaders probably feel that way, rightly or wrongly, that they may they they are a disposable part of this service or ministry or whatever, um, and uh, 
you know, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. The, the spiritual component of what you're doing is the most important. And I don't want for a minute, because I think if people heard you lead worship, they'd, they'd say like, but I mean, he's an amazing musician. He's got a great voice and all that. These two things are not opposed to each other. Um, in terms of, mm. like you've mentioned several times, you want it to be excellent. Like there's nothing wrong with sounding really good. In fact, there have been several times in in worship that I've led with a, a person in your band or another worship leader that's learning from you where you say, hey, you need to focus more on the music than you're focusing because it needs mm. to be good. It needs to not be a distraction at least. Um, and so we want good music and we want worship leaders that um, are very gifted and talented but when you think about what's going on cosmically, that pastoral heart, that vision for formation is, is so important. And in, like in the story you just told, uh, whether that's coming from the church or the people or the pastor themselves, it's, it's easy to lose sight of that, but it's really dangerous. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and I, you know, there's, as with anything, there's a tension and there's a, another side of that in that you never want to get to the point to where you think, wow, I am indispensable. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make myself indispensable because, you know, that's, that's something else to, in order to to be glorified among his people and to glorify himself, God doesn't need you. You know, God doesn't need me to sing this song in this way on this morning. You know, uh, if something should happen to me tomorrow, and I'm unable to lead worship or to, to serve the, the role in this church that, that I currently do, God will raise up someone else to do it, and they'll probably do it a lot better than I do. Uh, and, you know, it'll probably be more edifying to the church and glory to God. And I, I pray I pray that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there's nothing special about me or, you know, to the, to the previous question, this, the song that I wrote or something, I'll be forgotten. The song will be forgotten. Uh, this Sunday's service will be forgotten. But the church continues to roll on. And so equipping, loving the church, loving generations before, loving the generations that come after, pointing them towards Jesus, that, that's the stuff that matters. And so mm. faithfulness to that is really the goal. Well, man, thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for the ministry uh, that you do. Thanks for the, the fact that you are trying every week to pastor your people well. And uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for listening to the So We Speak podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a comment, leave a review. Email us. Tell us what you like about it. Tell us what you'd improve about it. Thanks to all you guys who are listening, and we'll see you next week on the So We Speak podcast. Mm-hmm.